Journey to Pascha, Holy Week 2020, brought to you by the Greek Orthodox Christian Society of the Greek Orthodox Archdiocese of Australia. On this day, Holy and Great Friday, we celebrate the awesome, holy and saving passion of our Lord and God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. The spitting, the blows with the palm of the hand, the buffeting, the mockery, the reviling, the wearing of the purple robe, the reed, the sponge, the vinegar, the nailing, the lance, and above all, the crucifixion and death which he condescended to endure willingly for our sakes and also the saving confession of the grateful thief upon the cross. This is Holy and Great Friday. This is the journey to Pascha. Holy Friday, the Crucifixion. Throughout the events of Holy Week, and in particular the Passion of our Lord, we will witness and relive the greatest event of human history, never to be repeated again, the Crucifixion of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. This event reveals the boundless love of God on the one hand, yet the hatred and depravity and sin of humanity on the other. Two polar extremes. Humankind condemns God to death, yet God in turn, through this very death, in quotes, condemns humanity to eternal life. People never showed such hatred to God as when they crucified our Lord on the cross, and God never showed such abundant love for humanity as when he was on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. It is precisely on the cross where God reveals all his majesty and grandeur. Christ is referred to by the fathers of the church as Iacratapinosis, 
η εσταυρωμένη αγάπη, the ultimate humility, the crucified love. Saint Gregory Palama says, this is the wisdom and the power of God, to be victorious through weakness, exalted through humility, rich through poverty. And Saint Paisios used to say, love and humility, this is the bandwidth through which God functions. Although there is nothing more terrible, unjust, evil, than the events of the Passion and Crucifixion of our Lord, yet our Church throughout Holy Week, wishing to remind us of God's boundless love for us all, brings to the fore a completely opposite image, an image of great celebration and joy, the image of a marriage feast. Throughout the hymns and services of Holy Week, Christ is portrayed as a bridegroom. Behold, the bridegroom is coming in the middle of the night, and blessed is the servant he shall find awake and watching. And O my Saviour, now I see your wedding hall decorated, and I have not the garment needed for me to enter it. And in the service of Holy Thursday evening, Ilis prosilothi on infios dis ecclesias, the bridegroom of the church is fixed with nails. In these hymns, Christ is portrayed as a bridegroom who is coming to unite himself with his bride, which is our soul and the church itself. St. Paul writes regarding union in marriage to the Ephesians, For we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the Church. The words a man shall leave, or more accurately in the Greek implication, a man shall forsake his father and mother. These are the very same words that Christ cried out from the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? On the cross, Christ united himself with his bride, the church and with our soul. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And what should our response be to all these things? How can we repay the Lord for everything he has given us? Firstly, to acknowledge with all our heart that God is good and has left nothing undone to bring us up to heaven and grant us his kingdom to come. And second, to respond with repentance, gratitude, spiritual zeal and holiness of life. Saint John Chrysostom says, There is no one who loved us like this.
and the beloved disciple of our Lord, St. John the Theologian, described himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. We should all feel the same way. What else can we say to all this? We are left speechless, silent. We can only repeat with reverence and awe the words we chant in church. Glory to your forbearance, O Lord. We venerate your passion, O Christ. Show also to us your glorious resurrection. Amen. The Vesper service celebrated in the church on Holy Friday afternoon is to commemorate the burial of Christ. It brings together the final events of the life of Christ, the trial, the sentence, the scourging and mocking, the crucifixion, the death, the taking down from the cross and the burial. Events that are not just something from the past that we remember, but are events that have an ongoing presence in our church and enable us to walk with Christ through these events and give them their due significance in our lives as Christians. The Vesper service is full of readings from the Scriptures, from the Old Testament and the New. The first of the Old Testament readings from Exodus speaks of Moses beholding the back of the glory of God, for no man can see the glory of God face to face and live. The Church uses this reading to emphasize that now, in the crucifixion and death of Christ, God is making the ultimate condescension to reveal his glory to man, from within man himself. The death of Christ was voluntary, He died not because of some necessity in his being, as the Son of God, he has life in himself. Yet he voluntarily gave up his life as the greatest sign of God's love for man, as the ultimate revelation of the divine glory. The hymns show us that God reveals his glory to us in this condescending love. The crucifixion is the heart of such love. For the one being crucified is none other than he who through whom all things have been created. 
As the hymn says, today the master of creation stands before Pilate. Today the creator of all is condemned to die on the cross. The redeemer of the world is slapped on the face. The maker of all is mocked by his own servants. Glory to thy condescension, O lover of man. The verses also show the cosmic dimensions of the event taking place on the cross. Just as God who revealed himself to Moses is not a God, but the God of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, so the death of Jesus is not the culmination of petty politics in Palestine, rather it is the very centre of the struggle between God and the evil one involving the whole universe. Again, as the hymn says, all creation was changed by fear when it saw thee hanging on the cross, O Christ. The sun was darkened, the foundations of the earth were shaken. All things suffered with the Creator of all. O Lord, who didst willingly endure this for us, glory to thee. The second reading from the Old Testament manifests Job as a prophetic figure of the Messiah himself. The plight of Job is followed in the services throughout Holy Week and is concluded in this reading. Job is the righteous servant who remains faithful to God despite trial, humiliation and the loss of all his possessions and family. Because of his faithfulness, however, the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. The third of the Old Testament readings from Isaiah is by far the most substantial. It is a prototype of the gospel itself. Read at this moment, it positively identifies Jesus of Nazareth as the suffering servant, the man of sorrows, the Messiah of Israel. The epistle reading from 1 Corinthians speaks of Jesus crucified, a folly for the world as the real centre of our faith. The Gospel reading, taken from Matthew, Luke and John, narrates all the events associated with the crucifixion and burial of Christ. All the readings focus on the theme of hope. As the Lord of glory, the fulfilment of the righteous Job and the Messiah himself, humiliation and death will have no final hold over Jesus. Even the parental mourning of Mary is transformed in the light of this hope. When she who bore thee without seed saw thee suspended upon the tree, O Christ the Creator and God of all, she cried bitterly, Where is the beauty of thy countenance, my son? I cannot bear to see thee unjustly crucified. Hasten and arise, that I too may see thy resurrection from the dead on the third day. Near the end of the Vespers, the priest lifts the holy shroud a large icon depicting Christ lying in the tomb from the altar table. A procession is formed and the Holy Shroud is carried to a specially prepared tomb in the centre of the church. As the procession moves, the troparion is sung. The noble Joseph, when he had taken down thy most pure body from the tree, wrapped it in fine linen and anointed it with spices and placed it in a new tomb. At this ultimate solemn moment of Vespers, the theme of hope once again occurs, this time more strongly and clearly than ever.
as knees are bent and heads are bowed and often tears are shed, another troparion is sung which penetrates through this triumph of evil to the new day which is contained in its very midst. The angel came to the myrrh-bearing women at the tomb and said, Myrrh is fitting for the dead, but Christ has shown himself a stranger to corruption. A new age is dawning. Our salvation is taking place. The one who died is the same one who will rise on the third day to trample down death by death and to free us from corruption. Therefore, at the conclusion of Holy Friday Vespers, at the end of this long day of darkness, when all things are apparently ended, our eternal hope for salvation springs forth. For Christ is indeed a stranger to corruption, as Paul writes in his epistle to the Corinthians, as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. The burial of Christ remains today as the annual experience for every Christian of his own dying and rising with the Lord. As Paul writes to the Romans, But if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. For we know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. Christ lies dead, yet he is alive. He is in the tomb, but already he is trampling down death by death, and upon those in the tombs bestowing life. There is nothing more to do now, but to live through the evening of the blessed Sabbath on which Christ sleeps, awaiting the midnight hour, when the day of our Lord will begin to dawn upon us, and the night full of light will come when we will proclaim with the angel, He is risen. He is not here. See the tomb where they laid him. Pray that this edition of the Journey to Pascha helps you to accompany the Lord to His resurrection this Holy Week. For more spiritually edifying material, subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or visit lyknos.org at lychnos.org, where you can find more Orthodox articles, talks, and podcasts to help you on the journey to your own personal resurrection this Pascha.